0: This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Pepe Sayer Australian cultured butter. Batch churned from single origin cream. I don't know.
1: I think it's just something about the the art and the science of, of pastry that that for me is so appealing and it definitely requires like this kind of, this really good feel for it. You know, it's something that you kind of learn about how things work, how ingredients interact and how they you know, should be manipulated to, to achieve the different textures and the flavor experiences that we have in dessert. This
0: is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. As we address issues such as sustainability, ethically grown foods, and our own health, plant-based diets and plant-based eating have become part of everyday life. But when we think of plant based meals, we think of main meals and leaving out proteins like beef, lamb, pork, chicken. But rarely do we think of pastry. But great pastry has always relied on animal byproducts. Is that about to change? Phil Curry is the pastry sous chef at Harrods, London. Phil, how are you going?
1: Yeah, really well. Thanks, Anthony. Excited to speak to you about this.
0: Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. There's a a lot to talk about because you're involved in some pretty exciting things in the world of pastry at the moment, but can you give us a sense of um, what things are like uh, in London at the moment?
1: Well, uh, in London, we've just recently, in the last uh, week week or two, opened uh, restaurants for outdoor dining. Um, Obviously, indoor, we've still got a couple more weeks left before that happens, but um, we're slowly... Unlock downing after I don't know four four odd months of complete
0: closures. Wow!
1: So yeah, the mood is good. With the weather's warming up, so
0: that helps. How has it felt for you? Uh, you've been there for a while now. You are you're an Aussie over in uh, the UK, but what's it been like this last year and a half for you? Um,
1: it's been tough, but I've I feel like I've gotten off pretty lightly. It was a good chance to kind of. You know, take stock, focus on different things. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, now that it seems to be warming up a bit and things are getting better, getting back on track at work and,
0: you know, going all in. Harrods is known the world over. What's it like working in that, uh, capacity in the pastry section there?
1: I'd have to say it's a, it's, it's about as magical as, as you, As I mean, as I imagined it going in, um, the store has been completely renovated in the last five years. I think there's just a couple of small sections left, but I think anyone who has visited in the past should definitely visit again because it's a whole new experience. And for me, it's, um, you know, we've got such a huge team. And from the outset, um, you know, when I joined, we were building up to 60 pastry chefs and bakers, and there were like 150, you know, uh, cooks chefs in the um savory kitchens so it's a huge operation i think people don't expect um such a big um operation inside of a department store but we have something like you know i think at our peak trade periods we have about 15 or 18 restaurants we've obviously got the the uh, food halls with the dining hall um you know the bakery patisserie the fresh market hall the chocolate hall which is about to reopen in may uh, so there's a lot going on, and for me, it was just a pretty amazing opportunity to kind of join a business that, you know, especially in pastry, where nearly everything is made in house,
0: and um, and yeah, just help lead a really big team. That's a huge team. Can you give us a sense of what you're making every day? I mean, what what are the sort of signature products that you're involved with for for Harrods?
1: You know, our our department is pastry and bakery, so um, I'm not I'm not deeply involved in the bakery side, but on the pastry side, you know, we come in every morning. We we're producing a range of, you know, at at, at, at around Christmas, we're doing something like 200 unique products um, for the store, and uh, so there's a lot of skews. Uh, everything from, you know, f- snack pots, food to go, to like high end patisserie um you know american style celebration cakes um dessert glasses like it's just it's massive it's 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 a
0: huge range how did you end up in harrods what what led to you leaving australia and going to the uk i was looking for a bit
1: of a change and i happened to be in the uk over the summer a few years ago and kirsten tibbles um recommended i come and visit alistair Burt, who's the head pastry chef and uh Came in for a tour, met him with um, one of my old colleagues, Mark McDonald, and we had a tour. It was amazing. I think I was immediately kind of swept up in the, um, the magic of the place and uh, literally by chance, I guess, a week later, the um, outgoing sous chef put in their resignation and uh, Alistair sent me a message and said, would you be interested in coming over? So that was the beginning of that
0: you've worked with some pretty amazing operators in Australia long before that. Can you take us back to the early days? When, when did you first started, start getting interested in in food?
1: Uh, well, I was always interested in food. I just wasn't sure if I'd make a career of it. And um, I actually went to university and studied uh, communication design. And then it was like I was working in advertising while I was at uni. And my first year out of uni um, – I decided to start a apprenticeship and go all in. I think it kind of just took over, took over and I was like twenty one I went to um you know to ride college in in um Sydney and did the uh part time course and started an apprenticeship and got a job at key and um stayed there for almost a year and then uh moved on to the shangri La where I stayed for a couple more years with Anna Polivu. And then, uh, finally to Adriana Zumbo.
0: Take us to what it was like in Key, you know, being that sort of first restaurant that you, you worked in. Was it, was it, was it hard?
1: Yeah. Key, Key was amazing. It was, I think it was kind of everything you expect from a fine dining restaurant of Key's stature. Um, uh, some, some at the time long hours, but, um, well worth it. I think that we still had, you know, we'd work four days on and have three days off. Um, but the, you know, the food was incredible. The produce was incredible.
0: Uh, really great team. It was a really good experience. You moved on to the Shangri-La, as you mentioned, what was it like working with, with Anna and she's, she's known for her creativity and sort of wild ways. What, What was it like learning pastry from her?
1: Yeah, well, for me, it was actually, um, you know, my next step was, you know, past- pastry in a restaurant can be a bit limiting. So I just thought, you know, where's the next place that I could go to learn as much as possible about about the craft? And um, at the time, I believe Shangri-La was probably one of the few res- few hotels left um, where Anna was trying to make a conscious effort to do as much as possible in-house. And, um, and so... Yeah, that was really appealing to me, and she's obviously very creative, uh, very outgoing, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I was I was I stayed there for
0: I think two and a half years, and it was a great experience. Adriano Zumbo sort of took the took Australia by storm with his desserts and all of the amazing uh, things like the crock and bush that we saw on MasterChef and things like that. What what lured you to work with Adriano, and what was that time like for you? Oh, it was it was
1: I mean I, I love Harrods, but, but Zumbo was my favorite place to work. Um it was I think the role that I ended up with, uh, which was, you know, basically starting from a very basic role in patisserie in the patisserie kitchens. Um for me it was, you know, I, I still think Adriano was probably one of the I mean he's he's one of the best pastry chefs in Australia, if not, you know. Is is he sorry, I'll start that again. <laughs> Adrian is one of the best pastry chefs in Australia and also one of the, the nicest guys in the industry. And the breadth of product that we covered um at Zumbo was I guess the the stepping stone that uh, for me joining Harrods. And uh, you know we had everything from a really wide range of chocolate products to ice cream. Obviously, the macarons was a huge part of that business, and the patisserie, so and the bakery. <laughs> Easy to forget the bakery, but um, that, that in terms of the the breadth and range of products, no one was doing or is doing anything like Adriano was doing then. So for me, it was yeah. I mean, I started in patisserie, and then I ended up. Leading research and development across all the products, um, you know, essentially being Adriano's right-hand guy in operation. So
0: it was a really, really amazing experience for me. Well, that led to a, a role in developing challenges for contestants on TV. Well, tell us about that. Do you have any um, funny stories from those times? <laughs> um,
1: where do I start? Basically, the uh, filming days were very long. They'd start at 7 a.m. and uh, and they'd finish like 11pm sometimes. And there were periods during the filming of the show, this wasn't all the time, but where the uh, Adriana would brief me on a challenge at 10am, I'd go back to the kitchen, uh, you know, create, make this challenge happen. And then he'd come in at like 10. You know, we'd we'd go through it, he'd give me some, you know, minor points, we might make some revisions, or he might just sign it off. And then we'd would i basically work through the night to to produce the um the actual dessert that got unveiled and then i'd have to type the recipe for the contestants and uh some pretty dramatic times especially when the uh the food team on the show would be like waiting for me to finish my recipe so they could you know start scaling ingredients (laughs) and um you know so they could start filming essentially uh the challenges it was
0: yeah it was it was intense but it was such a cool experience. Why the career in pastry? You said you've always been fascinated in food, but what is it about pastry that you love?
1: Oh, I think, you know, I people always ask me, can you cook normal food? And I say, uh, yes, but I'd be lost in a commercial, you know, kitchen. Um, I don't know. I think it's just something about the the art and the science of, of pastry that, that for me is so appealing. And it definitely requires like this kind of – just I don't know this this really good feel for it, and um, you know it's something that you kind of learn about how things work, how ingredients interact, and how they you know should be manipulated to to achieve you know the different the different textures and the
0: flavour experiences that we have in dessert. You've uh, set yourself a challenge to take on the pastry world and and create plant based desserts. Tell us about when you first started thinking about this and why this came about.
1: Oh yeah. Um, So about literally a a couple of months before I moved to London, a friend was talking about um, vegan food. And I just, at the time I was just like, obviously the opposite of a vegan. And um, I just thought that that's just crazy. You know, like you can't actually make desserts from non-animal products. Like it just, it's just not a thing, you know? And, um, uh, it just made me think it got, it's, it got me start. It's hang on. It's, it got me on this like trajectory of trying to understand what it would take. And I knew that it would just be an enormous challenge. Um, but it's one I felt like needed to be undertaken at one point. And I think the deeper you go into food production, uh, you know, the more you realize how blissfully unaware of how, all, all all, commercial food production, you know, affects the planet. And, um, you know, I was very lucky to work in some really nice places where, you know, all the eggs were free range. Uh, we had a lot of organic ingredients and all that, but that's just like the 1%, 99 or, you know, I think the statistics depending on most developed countries is that 95% of, um, of uh, you know, meat products, for example, are factory farmed and um, I guess you know, they're, are all the environmental, uh, health and, um, and animal welfare implications of using
0: animal products. Is there any, uh, existing information out there or anyone sort of, um, t- testing the boundaries in regards to vegan pastry at the moment? Yeah, I think there's definitely
1: professionals that have decided to, you know, to pursue this, this huge undertaking, um, it's a very, you know, dessert's the last frontier because, you know, as you said earlier, we all think about, you know, cutting out meat or reducing meat, um, but no one really thinks about dessert because, you know, I think people think of meat consumption like, um, like when that when they think of reducing meat, it's it's about the actual meat, not so
0: much animal products. What's been some of the challenges involved in? in trying to create entirely plant-based desserts? Um,
1: I think it's, you know, ha- having a deep understanding of how ingredients work and how they can be manipulated. Um, you know, there there is there, there are easy ways of doing that and I, I think of them as like shortcuts um, that don't really sit well with me in terms of um, just using substitutions. So, you know, some people are happy to use margarines or, you know... Um, Fake creams and things like that, but I'd prefer to to kind of work to just go all the way back and just reformulate um, with plant-based ingredients. So um, no margarine for me. But um, yeah, I mean, there, uh, there's also no perfect solution either. There's it's it's, it's 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 it is a huge challenge, and you're looking at whole new ingredients, whole new processes and
0: methods and techniques. So yeah, it's a It's a good amount of work. You developed and launched 12 new plant-based products at Harrods. Tell us about the testing um, of those products and and how you introduced them to um, your colleagues to get the sort of tick of approval.
1: Yeah, so we... You know, the, the added challenge at Harrods was that when we first started looking at this, uh, at launching this, I, I suggested it in a tasting. The, the process at Harrods to get a product lo- launched is quite commercial. You know, we have uh, a, a buying team, a product development team. That uh, basically guide what we develop, and so there has to be a commercial basis for us to launch anything. We don't just, you know, say, "Oh, that would be nice," and then launch it willy-nilly. And because it's such a huge retail operation, there's quite a bit involved to get a product launched. And so, um, you know, we have tastings where there's, you know, people from buying an MPD, and you know, they brief us on types of products that they'd like to see, and then we kind of can go nuts. And when you know, the first products that I did that were, that were plant-based were also vegan and gluten free, sorry, vegan, gluten free and nut free, because I just thought, you know, might as well try and, um, and have that alternative product for people with allergies and, and who are, who are, uh, I guess, yeah, allergen sensitive. And, um, we, I just presented it like I'd present any other dessert and, um, the response was fantastic and then afterwards i'd drop in that oh it's it's plant-based so um and gluten-free and nut-free and they were over the moon because for them it's obviously more people that can buy dessert
0: well can you tell us about some of the desserts that you created and and how you made them and what's in them
1: yeah so um i'd say it started with a couple of lines in patisserie um one of them was just a really classic chocolate raspberry mousse it was a it was a profile that we didn't have in the counter at the time. And so I made like a chocolate uh, a chocolate cake made from prune, like a prune puree with a gluten-free flour blend. And, uh, you know, the, the prune has so much fiber in it that it acted as like kind of a binding uh, ingredient to replace eggs. Um, and the gluten-free flour replacement has all the qualities, you know, of a, you know, regular flour with its you know, binding and gelatinizing properties. So it, it was, you know, it just tasted like a fruity chocolate sponge. And then you throw in like a, a crumble with uh, chocolate as a crunchy texture, a raspberry jelly made from a pectin, which is like a, extracted from the peels of um, citrus fruits, um, a chocolate mousse where the mousse base is made of like a chocolate custard made without eggs, um, folded through, folded with a uh, potato protein meringue Folded through it to get a really like light, airy, clean-flavored chocolate mousse. Um, yeah, and we dipped that in like a cocoa butter chocolate dip for a little shell on the outside. And uh, yeah, it was that was one of them. There was another tropical dessert, um, but the other thing to to mention is that when we were doing all this development for us, one of the one of the big challenges. One of our big re- one of our big restaurant offerings is afternoon tea, and um, you know we can do up to three or four hundred people uh, for afternoon tea in a day, in the tea rooms, and you know in the UK I think we're getting a, a, especially in the UK I'd say because most plant based uh, gluten free product development. Um, the highest proportion of launches is in the UK. And um, we have a huge number of people who either, you know, gluten or uh, gluten intolerant, nut intolerant, or, you know, they have severe allergies. Uh, We also have, you know, a growing number of people that are vegan or vegetarian. And you have to remember that when a dessert has gelatin in it, that it's no longer um, vegetarian because it's got an animal product in it, like an actual animal uh, ingredient rather than, an 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 ingredient that comes from an animal animal like milk so basically our regular afternoon tea offering was becoming harder and harder to serve to people and our alternatives for you know we had a gluten-free afternoon tea we had a a um a nut free a, a dairy an egg free like you had all these options and it was it you know from a from a from a food safety from a legal an offering like that is incredibly difficult to deliver consistently and um, and safely. So, you know, once I'd launched those couple of first products, we'd made the decision to go at, to try and do one up one alternative afternoon tea that could cater for everyone. And in the same way that it had to um, pass the you-couldn't-tell-that-it's-gluten-free-or-vegan you test, um, you know, we, we applied that same kind of ethos, um, when I developed these, this free from afternoon tea, and I've just developed the second iteration of that, and we <clears throat> will launch that when we reopen in on May the seventeenth. But it was a, uh, yeah, huge learning curve, but something like that, you know, really impacts positively on uh, on operations, on customer experience, because you know, typically things that are gluten free or vegan um, haven't been so nice to eat and uh, definitely don't live up to the standards that people expect from from normal or high-end patisserie. So
0: it's a big challenge. This episode of Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Pepi Sayer Australian cultured butter, batch churned from single origin cream. You know, the biggest highlight is that people like our product. You know, when someone says, "Ah,
1: oh, I bought your butter and I made this, or it tasted amazing," that's it. It's done. Uh, I'm, I'm on. I'm, I'm in heaven. And that's uh, people that know me. They know that all, all you have to do is pay Peppy a compliment about the butter, and he's
0: whatever you want. He'll, he'll give you whatever you want him to do. He'll do. People that complain, we, we can't thank them enough because they're the ones that have. That have changed our business and helped us understand that we need to do better. For more information, go to pepysayer.com.au. Well, the pastry counter at Harrods is iconic. How does it feel to work there on a daily basis? Um,
1: it's, it's dreamy. You know, I do a walkthrough, we do a walkthrough every day. Um, at ten thirty before the store opens to make sure that everything is you know up to spec as we say, and uh, it's it's amazing like to, to look at a counter full of patisserie product that's all made in house is is so rewarding. Um, we have a huge talented team that delivers this every day, and it's a, a great thing to be a part of.
0: Well, what's a typical day like for you? Can you take us into the kitchen and, and sort of what you what it takes to, to pull together something so magical?
1: Well, as a manager, my days like change really dramatically. Sometimes uh, I'm focused purely on development. Other times it's uh, development with some you know more managerial stuff thrown in. Other days it's just management stuff. Um, some days it's cooking. Like it just depends. Really, um, I'd say at the moment with COVID having impacted operations, we can't have as many people in the kitchen. So um, staffing is an issue. And so I'm often jumping in to help, you know, the teams in their day-to-day operations. Um, but typically, yeah, I'd say d- development has definitely been a priority recently because we, when, when we, when when we reopen restaurants, there's quite a few new products to launch. So I mean it's not just being able to make the product it's we have to we have to um, cost it we have to do all the things that go into the admin work that go into building a recipe um, you know sourcing ingredients is a big thing there's there's one person who just looks after sourcing ingredients and making sure that the ingredients that we order are coming in and you don't really get people like this in any other business except for Harrod's where it's such a complex operation. You know, we have ambient fresh foods uh, that, you know, that come in that are sold at Harrods that are used by the chefs. And there are people that just manage supply chains.
0: You said that you've been a bit luckier than others in the last year and a half and has allowed you to refocus on different things. Tell us about how you've changed in the last year and a half, because the UK has undergone um, lockdown after lockdown and, um, false starts what's changed for you um
1: well we we had you know we had we had our two major lockdowns I'd say and and actually for three months last year um, i had left harrods only to rejoin <laughs> but um essentially what happened was due to covid and brexit um, it basically made it really difficult for my sponsorship to be finalized so I Technically left and then had to rejoin once they could sort it out. But um, and that in itself was stressful because th- quite a few things were uncertain. But um, apart from that, you know, Harrod's the the government firstly um, had a furlough scheme where if you were if you were employed by a, a pretty wide variety of businesses that they they'd cover up to eighty percent of your salary. And Harrod's being a generous employer topped everyone's salary up so that everyone was receiving full pay while they weren't working. Yeah, so that was, you know, that's huge relief. I, and when I say we got off lightly, we were very lucky um, in that regard. You know, Harrods still, still, even through the lockdown and through the last year of incredibly tough operating um, circumstances, was still a profitable business um, when so many businesses have folded so yeah we're very lucky and for me it was you know the time that i was off was a chance to kind of uh do a lot more baking at home and kind of give people try to give people some inspiration for simpler things um from home and uh kind of you know took to instagram and started baking and and yeah it was that was pretty fun and then i started working on a book so
0: well tell us a bit about that book and you know what do you what what do you see in the next sort of year or two for yourself um, coming out of sort of COVID and the experience of the last sort of year and a half? Um, Hopefully a book coming out within
1: some kind of timely timeframe, a book on just plant-based patisserie. I think I'm keeping it, I'm keeping the book focused on plant-based and not gluten-free and nut-free, even though there would be gluten-free and nut-free options um, because I think the, the the main goal for me is just to focus on on removing some m- removing animal products and giving people more options. I guess for creating
0: delicious desserts um, that are plant based. You mentioned that uh, Harrods will open on the seventeenth of May, which is just a couple of weeks away. What's what's the build up been like, and and um, what's it like getting the team back together, and what are you looking forward to?
1: So Harrods has, has already reopened, but the restaurants will reopen on the 17th. So, you know, for, for the kitchen, for the um, food department, that's a huge deal. Um, you know, the rest of our teams will come back um, and we'll get to serve customers again. And it's been, yeah, it's it's been so much you have to remember that we've just also had Brexit, which disrupted supply chains uh, for food ingredients. And, you know, we have to now forecast our dairy usage or forecast our, you know, how many eggs we're going to use in the next week so that our supply team can ensure that we're actually going to get them in. Wow. Um, we have, you know, for, for an for a operation of our size and range, um, there are so many thousands of ingredients that come into play and, uh, you know, there, we've had we've had many issues where some ingredients just don't come in, and and for us substitution is not an option because um, you know we have food safety considerations. Our suppliers have to be approved. Um, it's it's not just the thing where oh let's use this. You know from an allergen perspective as well, we've got all these different things to factor in, and it's uh, that's definitely made things a bit more interesting. But apart from that, we're just excited to be able to reopen and serve customers
0: again. Well, what's it going to feel like when uh, it's full again, and do you have all of those customers enjoying the pastries and particularly the, the vegan uh, desserts that you've created?
1: Um, it'll be great. I, I'm I'm excited just to to get it into production and and uh, you know the the as as I've kind of developed my methodologies have simplified and the recipes have become easier. So I'll be excited to kind of show the team, um, you know, the improvements in the product as well. And, um, and yeah, look forward to serving it. And, you know, when I say we, we do afternoon tea for up to 300 people, that number is going to be significantly lower. So we have also taken, um, we appreciate that we have a bit more resources available to, um, to serve these reduced numbers. And we've kind of taken our afternoon tea offering up a notch and I look forward to kind of
0: unveiling that in the coming weeks. Well, Phil, that sounds amazing. Um, good luck with uh, with that in the next couple of weeks and also particularly with the plant-based uh, dessert uh, book that you're working on. It sounds absolutely incredible. We've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep.